10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening. Welcome to the Cliff Burton Friends Sports Talk Show coming at you every single Monday night. And tonight we have another great show. Myself and my co-host, James Waddell. Jim, can you tell him hi? I know he's coming on. Okay, he's still connecting. And uh, so we have my co-host, Jim. The mission of our show is that we want to promote the absolute very best in women's athletics and HBCU sports. And tonight, we have quite a show for you. Let me see if I can get Jim. He's coming in the show. Jim, are you there? I'm there, yes. I'm All here. right, Jim. Great. Tell everybody hello tonight, Jim. We have a great show for him. You hear me? Yes, we can. So we have a great show. We're getting Jim connected. Hello. righty. So our first topic tonight is a follow-up to um, our woman of the month, Miss Lucia, L-U-S-I-A Harris. She's going to lead off several stories of excellent things that women are doing in athletics. Lucia Harris was the first black woman who was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 1992. Her coach, Margaret Wade, also a basketball player, was inducted in 1985. Lucia Harris was also drafted in the NBA and the only woman ever drafted to the New Orleans Jazz in 1977. She didn't play because she was pregnant and married, but she did, however, play briefly in the Women's Professional Basketball League in 1979 to 1980. This native of Mentor City, Mississippi, Put Delta State, which is located in Cleveland, Mississippi, on the map in women's basketball. She won titles in 1975, 1976, and 1977 in the AIAW era of sports. Lucia is going to be remembered also for a charity, her achievements both off and on the court. She was well-loved in her community in the state of Mississippi. Now let's get back to basketball. Lucia, after the first two AIAW titles were won in 1972 to 1974 by Immaculata, Delta State went on to win the next three in 1975, 1976, and 77 championship games. Her opponent was the former Indiana Fever coach, Mariana Stanley, who played for Immaculata at the time. Uh, coach stated she was a Tina Charles or Sylvia Fowles of her day. She was just head and shoulders above lots of other folks. Their team was terrific. Our team was terrific. We battled for many championships. Lucia Harris also remains Delta State's career record holder in points, 2,891, and rebounds, 1,662, she averaged 25.9 points and 14.5 rebounds in her 115 career games played in college. She also shot 63.3% from the field. Of course, she was a three-time All-American. More importantly, Lucia Harris made history at the Olympics. In 1976, the first time the U.S. put a female Olympics uh, team on the floor, Lucia was the first one to ever score a basket in the United States or in the Olympics for any country. Ann Myers Drysdale, a great player for UCLA, uh, who also led UCLA to the AIAW Championship in 1978. She was an Olympic teammate of Harris. And Nancy Lieberman, now Nancy Lieberman Klein, who also won an AIAW titles with Old Dominion in 1979, in 1980, both had these things to say. Myers said there was no one like her. She was six feet three, solid as a rock, great footwork, great hands, could hit the 15-footer, and her post merge was so good. Lieberman said, I remember as a player just being cool, calm, collected, 
She gave everything she could of who she was. Lucy or Lucia was this powerful, quiet leader. She never really raised her voice, but she had a presence about her. Too bad we lost this pioneer of the game earlier this year. But I just want to say to our Women of the Month for December, Miss Lucia Harris, thank you so much again for helping lead the way. Miss Lucia Harris. Now, that's not all we have for you. <clears throat> we have some tremendous women, and I want to introduce next week, we'll have a special interview. The interview will be with Dr. Harriet Kimbrough Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton, a graduate of Fisk University, is known as a trailblazer, one of the women to enforce and develop Title IX. The state of Tennessee has many trailblazers, the most famous, Pat Head Summit, the now deceased but great former Lady Vols coach. There's a book, Title IX, Pat Summit, and Tennessee's Trailblazers, 50 years, 50 stories of 50 great women who helped lead the charge in developing athletics for women post-Title IX implementation in 1972. Dr. Harriet Kimbrough Hamilton is in that book as one of those Tennessee pioneers. She will be a guest. and We'll have a special interview, the whole show, one hour, next week. You don't want to miss it. You absolutely don't want to miss it. Now, in this segment, we also honor some more women, and there's a lot of history being made every day. Let's talk about a little bit of it. In the NCAA tournament volleyball that is going on right now at this time, we have a coach. Uh, who's coaching for LSU. Her name is Tanya Johnson. LSU just reached the round of 32. They got put out of the women's Division I volleyball tournament. Coach Johnson, though, in her first season at LSU, returned her alma mater, and she is the first, or they think, second African-American female to lead a volleyball team to the field of 32. So let's give a big congratulations or let's give a big hand clap for Coach Tanya Johnson. All righty. Second female. She is no stranger to success. Yesterday at Rutgers University, they named the floor at the Jersey Mike Arena for one of the greatest coaches to ever grace the sidelines in women's basketball, C. Vivian Stringer. And let's make no mistake about it, we are looking to get her on the show. C. Vivian Stringer, when you talk about the big four or five coaches in Division One, she's one of them. She's the only coach to lead three division schools to a Final Four. In 2007, she lost the national championship game to Pathead Summit. But her accomplishments with over a thousand wins are never to be diminished for what she has done and continues to do for the game of women's basketball. Retired last year, but her presence is ever felt. She has a tremendous book out. It's called Walking Tall. I suggest you read it. See Vivian Stringer's name is now enshrined on the court at Rutgers University. Congratulations, Coach Stringer. All righty, we have some more for you. Yesterday, or this year's recipient of the Pat Head Summit Award <clears throat> is another tremendous coach. She's received this award for a tremendous service to student athletes and her influence on the game of basketball. We don't talk about her much, but Muffet McGraw, Coach Muffet McGraw. She was the former Notre Dame coach and recently won her second national championship in 2018. Coach McGraw, her record is outstanding when she was at Notre Dame. She also has a tremendous record. Let me tell you a few of the honors that she received. She was a two-time NCAA Division I tournament champion, nine NCAA regional final fours, five ACC tournaments, six ACC regular season titles, three 
Big East regular season titles, five MCC tournament titles, an ECC tournament title in the regular season and in the tournament, four-time AP Coach of the Year, three-time Naismith Coach of the Year, three-time USBWA Coach of the Year, three-time WBCA Coach of the Year, and a John R. Wooden Legends of Coaching Award. She was inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame, and in 2017, was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So let's give a big congratulations to Coach Muffet McGraw, one of our outstanding, I mean really outstanding women. We have more. We have so much more. A speed skater. We don't talk about the, um, we don't talk about the winter sports like we should. There's a woman this past winter, and it seemed like a story got by us. Her name, Erin, and she was the first black woman to win the speed skating in the 500 meters event. It happened this past February, and it went kind of unnoticed. But we want to say to that young lady also, congratulations for all that you've done. You see, it's these ladies that paved the way for the Dawn Staley's to receive a $22 million contract now. It's these ladies who have paved the way. Oh yeah, there's some more. I have one more for you. You see, those are women who got it done on the field, but women are also, because of Title IX, excelling in the administrative side of sports. Recently, <clears throat> we've recently been appointed the first black president of a major soccer league. Her name is Danita Johnson. She was uh, uh, made the uh, black president of the DC United soccer team. So Ms. Johnson, we are so proud of you. She also has a history in executive positions now. She has been the chief operating officer of the Los Angeles Sparks, as well as the Sparks new business operation, a president of business operations. She was a top earning corporate sponsor. And with the Sparks, she was sales increased 50% between 2014 to 2017. She brought the money in for that organization as well. So Ms. Danita Johnson, we take our hat off to you. Jim, this is just the beginning. There's so much more, but we're not going to get into it. We just want to let everybody know that women are doing things athletically and also in administrative offices every single day. They live off of the shoulders of Lucia, Vivian, Pat, Harry Kimbrough, Dr. Kimbrough, Teresa, and several others that we're going to talk about over these next few weeks. Jim, give me your opinion. Or was Title IX worth it? And is Title IX working? Jim, are you there? All right, he's coming in. We're getting in. We have a little technical difficulty. He should be coming in now. We've been trying to get him on. But again, our women's segment has been tremendous. And before we move on, uh, we'll go to a commercial break and uh, we'll try to get Jim back on. We're going to go to a music commercial break right now.
right. All right, so Jim, are you there? Yeah. All right, Can great. Got you in. So we were just going through all the accomplishments of the women. Vivian Stringer, Pat Summit, Dr. Harriet Kimbrough, Hamilton, and several more. And I just want your opinion, Jim, on Title IX since 1972, the effects it has had and the effects that it's having, and how far do we have to go? Well, the effects that it's had, it's had a lot of women's sports come into play. I mean, I, I didn't know that they didn't have women's basketball until 1976 in the Olympics. Yeah. It has caught, you know, it's helped there. It's helped get more athletes into college, which in turn has more athletes in the general population. And you're starting to see that with uh, coaches, administrators, uh, league presidents, you know, and all that. It started to filter down there. So I think, is it worth it? Yes. Do we have a ways to go? Yes. Absolutely. You know, brings back the uh, thing with the major women's major league soccer, where they had some coaches that were uh, allowed to keep their jobs while they were doing despicable, despicable things to the women. So, you know, we have a ways to go there. Do we have full equality for women? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things, Jim, and we didn't say, but we want our audience to know, at the, speaking of soccer, last week we had the first females, one or two, that refereed different matches at the World Cup. But this past week was the first time we had an all-female crew that refereed a World Cup soccer game. So named Stephanie for part, Nuzabek, and Karen Dion. So those women, again, made history at the World Cup. Now, in our women's history segment, one more thing, Jim, and we don't want to ever go a show without at least mentioning or bringing this up, and that is Brittany Griner. I don't know how many days, 290-plus, and uh, we're still working on it. But uh, just do you have any update? And if not, we're just going to continue to solicit the prayers from everybody uh, listening to our show and who we send it out to. Well, I think this, I heard something that they're going to, go ahead. A major break came in and they're going to try to get her home by Christmas. Then the other thing, bad news I heard since she's at that work camp, you know, the conditions are horrible and we got to get her out of there quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brittany Griner, we will keep you in our prayers. Now, we're going to head on to our section to see what's going on out here in the world of sports. Last week, we talked about the SWAT conference. We do have some news on that later in the men's division. And we also talked about the SIAC. Tonight, we want to talk about the MEAC, CIAA, and the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, as well as a few independents. We want to tell you where they stand. Let's start with the MEAC, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. In the women's division, the player of the year is projected to be Coppin State's guard, Jaia Alexander. She's a returning player from last season. She averaged 15.8 points per game. She also ranked second in the league in free throw percentage at 79%, fourth in rebounding at 71.1 per game rebounds, and seventh in field goal percentage. And she's expected to lead the conference in scoring again this year. The team to beat, they say, is Howard University. These women are predicted to finish first in the conference. Rounding out the preseason all-conference team is Destiny Howell from Howard, Iyana Warren, Howard, Camille Downs, Norfolk State, and Deja Francis from Norfolk State. Now, that was in October, the prediction. Let me tell you where we are. Right now, overall record, and they're just getting into the conference schedule. Norfolk State is 9-1 and one in first place. Morgan State, ladies, are 7-2, the Bears. Howard Bisons are 3-5. and five. North Carolina Central, 3-6. and six. Maryland Eastern Shore, 3-7. and seven. Delaware State, 2-6. and six. Coppin State, 2-7. and seven. 
And South Carolina State's got to get on the board. They are 0-10. So that's where the schools stand right now in the MIAC conference. Now, let's move on to the CIAA, the Central <coughs> Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. They have a player of the year. They started with the defensive player, and they have an offensive player. Elizabeth City, Elizabeth City State's Sarianne Pitts is the reigning CIAA Women's Defensive Player of the Year. She leads the conference with 8.4 boards per game and blocks with 1.7 per game. The senior forward from North Raleigh, North Carolina, also averages 8.3 points per game and shoots 52% from the field. The offensive player of the conference returning is Fayetteville State's Rashika Simmons. She comes back with a scoring average of 14.6 points per game. Now, the in the conference, these women are the preseason. Backcourt preseason, Shania Jones, Johnson C. Smith, Amaya Tucker, Winston-Salem State, Nyad Langley, Virginia Union, Andresia Alexander, Livingston, Tania Johnson, Virginia Union, front court, Anila Bryant, Fayetteville State, Rashika Simmons, Fayetteville State, Syrian Pitts, Elizabeth City State, Katera Myers, Bowie State, Destiny Coleman, Claflin, Brianna Price, Claflin, and Vazira Bowens, Johnson C. Smith. What's so interesting, Jim, is that Lincoln won the women's championship last year. And yet, not one player from Lincoln is named on the pre-conference preseason team this year. But again, let's just see how let's see how things go. Now, we're going to come back to the CIAA next week as far as their actual records because I wanted to get to this this week. We have some teams that are independents. They're not in a conference, okay? And three of those we want to follow are Tennessee State University Lady Tigers, who are members of the OVC, okay? They're four and three, and they're now number fifth in the conference ranked. North Carolina A&T, also four and three. They're in the CAA, the Colonial Athletic Conference, and they are ranked fifth. The Hampton Pirates, Lady Pirates, also joined the Colonial Athletic Conference. Unfortunately, their record has them in 12th place at this time. So we have some work to do for our independents. That's only three of them. We have several more, but we want to make sure we cover those as well. Okay? <clears throat> now, let's get to Division One, and then we'll talk about some of these, Jim. Division One, top 10. Dawn Staley, they're 8-0. Aaliyah Boston is still doing their thing. Number two, Stanford, 10-1. But then you have Ohio State undefeated and Indiana undefeated. And number five, Notre Dame, who put a shellacking yesterday on the UConn Huskies. And I think that they could be a Final Four team. Gino Ariema, who struggled with injuries, Lost All-American Paige Becker over the summer. And then Aziz was hurt in yesterday's game. Um, they're 6-1. and one. Virginia Tech, number 7, 8-0. And North Carolina, 6-1. and one. They're 8. NC State, 7-1. Iowa State with Caitlin Clark, the best player in the country. No, no, she's in Iowa. I'm sorry. But they're 6-1. and one. So the women's field. Is wide open, Jim. Wide open. And the state of women's college basketball, I think, is in great shape. Give me your opinion on women's basketball, Jim. What do you see? I think it looks to be more balanced than ever this year. You know, and the one thing about women's basketball, again, is number one, number two, they all play each other in the preseason. Mm -hmm. They don't hold back like some men's teams don't want to play any competition. The women are not like that. And exactly. I think it's going to be an exciting year. You think Dawn's going to repeat? I think she's got a good shot. 
Oh, yeah. And Leah Boston is back. You know, that's always, you know, good to have your best player come back. <coughs> Excuse me. Exactly. And, um, again, congratulations to Dawn Staley. She received a contract, I believe, Jim, was $22 million or something of that nature over the next seven years. And and so things that are just have been uh, unprecedented in women's basketball, yes. that kind of pay. I believe last year or last season was the first time they had game day. They had game day when uh, South Carolina played somebody late in the season. So she's bringing in the viewership and she's definitely uh, bringing in the dollars for sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Now, there's something I want to talk about, and we're not going to run over to the, the top 10, but I do want to talk about this, um, is that there's also Division Two women's basketball, which we're going to cover this year. And there's also Division Three women's basketball. And there's NAIA Divisions basketball, which we are going to cover this year. The reason is, most are not going pro and a lot of our young people miss out on opportunities because we all trying to play division one there's a problem with this in the girls division and there's problems with this in the boys or women and men and i want us to get the word out that if you get on the website and notify some of these division two or even if you make the grades and notify division three coaches or nia coaches there is scholarship money for you. Don't leave it on the table. Last but not least, in our women's section, I'm going to switch real quick, Jim, to volleyball. Let's congratulate in Division One again, the Rattlers and Delaware State. They both made it to the National Division One volleyball playoffs, which are going on at this time. They were both eliminated in the first round but they had tremendous seasons. So I would like to say to both of those groups, congratulations. Um, Jim, <clears throat> let's talk volleyball while we finish in this 15 minute segment. This is another area that I believe we leave so much money on the table. Um, the amount of volleyball scholarships that are available to young ladies and young men, there are some uh, volleyball teams being formed. How can we get this message out to our inner city kids, the importance of playing volleyball and some of our non-revenue uh, generating or big publicity sports? Well, two things. Volleyball is a good sport for young ladies to play waiting for the basketball season. Volleyball is in the fall. Basketball is in the winter. And, you know, if they are... I know I live in Florida and there are a lot of volleyball clubs that uh, travel volleyball. Mm -hmm. And I think you get into travel volleyball, get your name out there. You can and will get scholarships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, our special guest next week, Dr. Harriet Kimbrough Hamilton started out at Fisk university as the volleyball coach. And she may talk about some of that as well next week. So, Jim, we're going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to let you take us on men's basketball. All righty? Thanks so much. Yes. We have a minute break.
righty, we're back. Uh, I want to say this to our listeners. If you have um, anything you want us or questions, put it in the chat, and we will definitely talk about it on this show. Um, in the last few minutes, we will be able to take a few what they call co-host speakers. They allow me between 6 and 10 per show. This week, if you're not registered, I'll send the invitation out. Next week, you have to come in the show as a co-host speaker, and we'll allow you to ask your questions during the show. But for today, if you have any questions, and we see some comments coming, you can go ahead and put them in the chat. Jim, take us away on men's basketball, MEAC, CIAA, GCAC, independence, whatever. Come on, Jim. Okay, first thing we're going to talk about is the MEAC. And I want all of the people online to remember that a lot of these teams are playing money games as they do in football. I know one school was out of town a whole month of December playing money games. So the records might not be as you think, but once they get to conference play, it'll all even out. In the MEAC, predicted first team is Norfolk State, led by Player of the Year, Joe Bryant Jr., Christian Inns, Chris Bankston, and Dana Tate. They are five and four right now. Second, North Carolina Central with Justin Wright, guard Eric Bean forward, Chris Monroe, and they have a seven-footer in Brandon Marley Medley Bacon. They are also five and four. Howard, led by guard Elijah Hawkins, Stevie Settle, and Khalil Robinson is four and seven. Morgan State, led by Malik Miller and Deterion Ware, three and six. Coppin State, led by Ninda Tark and Sam Sessions, who's the newcomer of the year in the MEAC. Maryland Eastern Shore, Deshaun Phillip and Nathaniel Pollard. Delaware State is led by Corey Perkins and Martez Robinson, both guards. Oh, and I didn't give their records. Coppin is five, four and six. Maryland Eastern Shore is three and five. Delaware State, one and seven. And South Carolina State, led by Rashawn Edwards, is one and eight. The best prof- prospect they have is Joe Bryant Jr., best defender, Nendai Tark, and best shooter, Justin Wright, at North Carolina Central. Mm-hmm. The CIAA, the Fayetteville State is Crestworthy. Virginia Union, and they are three and five. Virginia Union, seven and one, led by Khalif Tate, guard, Robert Osborne forward, and Monty Wright, also forward. Winston-Salem, seven and one also, good record. Isaac Parson, guard, Jonathan Hicklin, guard, and Nathaniel Springs, forward. Virginia State is five and two with Francis Fitzgerald forward and James Love guard. Bowie State, Quentin Drayton guard, Mark Bradshaw point guard is two and seven. Lincoln U, it's led by Bakar Cleveland point guard, Reggie Hudson. 86% of the team is sophomores or freshmen on Lincoln. Mm. So they are very young. In seventh place, and Lincoln is five and three. Seventh place is Shaw with Jeremiah Pope and DJ Thomas, guards. They're four and five. Livingstone with Kyrie Temple, forward, is three and four. Johnson C. Smith, Augustine Aminu, they're three and five. Elizabeth City, Elizabeth City College, Jaden Flournoy and Eric Butler, they're three and five. Claffin State, predicted to be number 11 in a 12-team conference, is 6-0, led by Bryson Dennis. St. Augustine is 2-5 with Moses Mabinga and newcomer Nemo Johnson. TSU is led by Marcus Fitzgerald and Daryl Clay Jr., North Carolina A&T, Marcus Watson and Demetri. Trick Horton. And Hampton is Russell Dean and Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's shaping up to be a uh, the, the CIAA, which is arguably the best or the second best conference tournament 
because all the teams are from North Carolina or maybe one in South Carolina. They their tournament is always. I mean, they've ESPN uh, game day has gone down there for yeah. the tournament, so that's going to be a good one. Yeah, Jim, if I could jump in, the CIAA this year will be in Baltimore. In fact, the last two or three years, and you're right. It is known that second to the ACC tournament for yes. years, the CIAA is the second highest draw in attendance. And uh, it's just a spectacular thing if anybody's never been. You can still get your tickets, but it's held up here in Baltimore uh, this year. It used to be down in Charlotte before that Raleigh. Raleigh. And uh, it's just something to see. So CIAA, sure enough. And I mistakenly said all the teams in North Carolina, you've got some in Virginia. Bowie State is in Maryland, and Lincoln is in uh, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. So and, they, they come to play. Yeah, and, and, and Commissioner uh, McWilliams, we've reached out to her, and we're trying to get a date or finalize a date because she has given us a previous commitment to come on our show and talk to us about all the sports and as well as the tournament and the things that um, the CIAA has to offer. For our listeners now, you know some of the most famous CIAA players and in, in – uh, Ben Wallace, Rick Mahorn out of Hampton. Ben Wallace out of Virginia Union. What's a kid, uh, Jim, out of Norfolk State? Played in the NBA recently. Kylo Quinn. Kylo Quinn. But when you talk about the CIAA, you cannot repeat, <coughs> cannot forget Earl the Pearl Monroe yes. at Winston-Salem. Yes. Yeah. One of the greatest players to ever play. Um, so the CIAA is just uh, a jewel. The other thing that people don't realize at the CIAA gym, uh, we talk about Krzyzewski in the ACC, but there was a coach at Virginia Union named Dave Robbins, retired around 2009 or so. But Dave Robbins won over 700 games at Virginia Union. He also coached, coached uh, Charles Oakley and, and Bing Wallace. And uh, in his 30 or 31-year tenure in the CIAA, he won – three national championships in Division Two, and 17 CIAA tournaments. He was a heck of a coach. I was living in Richmond the last six years of his career and, and saw his team that won the last Division Two championship play live. And uh, there was no drop-off in basketball. So uh, the CIAA is something something to behold. Now, Jim, <clears throat> what's going on with the MEAC? They've lost some schools. Uh, in the last few years, how do you think that's affected the competition in the MEAC conference? I think Hampton is always a cornerstone. They have won a game in an NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. They've lost NC State, which is a big school and a, you know a good, a, a decent school in terms of the money they have. That's a huge blow. I think they both went to the Big South. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and they've lost another one too. I think, and then if you look at football, just to give an example, I think they only had six members. Now, basketball, it looks like they have 10. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt the quality of basketball they have there. I think they need those big schools in there. But mm-hmm. the big schools were able to go to the Big South and get more revenue, which is what right. drives athletics a lot now. Exactly. As we will surely talk about later. Absolutely. On our next segment. Um, Jim, let's talk about be, one more thing. I'd be remiss oh, to, to not mention Clarence Big House Gaines. Yeah. One of the best coaches and uh, from Winston-Salem. And also Stephen A. Smith, ESPN mm-hmm. celebrity, played basketball mm-hmm. at Winston-Salem State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, excuse me. Jim, I want to ask one more question. The one conference we haven't talked tonight about tonight, and it looks like we'll have to uh, get more into it next week, but it's the only HBCU NAIA conference, and that is the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Now, let's just go over the schools that are in that conference. Oakwood University, Seventh-day Adventist School, Huntsville, Alabama, Fisk University, Dillard University, 
Philander Smith, uh, University of Southern, or no, Southern University of New Orleans. I think yes. that's their name. Who else are we missing, Jim? Wiley College. Wiley College. And there's one more. I believe, is it Tougaloo? Are they still in the conference? We, we're going to have them on. Uh, we're going to talk more extensively about this conference next week. I do know right now in the women's division, Philander Smith is in first place. They hold an overall record of 8-0. And uh, Fisk University is in third place. And it's again off of their overall record, which is now four and three. And unfortunately, in last place are the Oakwood Ambassadors. And their record is 211 in the women's division. I will find out more about the men's division next week. But uh, they have a dynamic commissioner and Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes. And uh, that conference is going to be developed and something to look out for. So we'll bring some more action on that. She is a go-getter. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She's gone out and got a TV contract for the league, and she's she's doing things. Yeah. Urban Edge Network launched a media internship program and connections with the lead, and, you know, she you're right. She's doing great things, and and, uh, so the Gulf Coast is, uh, is rising up quickly. There's also some coaches in this conference, two former pro players in the men's division. And unfortunately, we lost an ex-WNBA player prior to the season in uh, Tiffany Jackson, who was going to coach Wiley. And uh, we lost to the breast cancer prior to the start of the season. She was seven years in the WNBA, All-American in Texas, died at 37 years old, way too young, and we will miss her. But Fisk University has a woman who also played professional overseas in coach Victoria Crawford. And uh, she previously played at Memphis University, where she averaged about 29 points a game and played six to seven years of professional ball overseas, and I believe was drafted in the WNBA. So the Gulf Coast is getting high-level coaching at the schools in the, in, in the NAIA conference. And one more thing. Uh, the center for Fisk University, who was player of the week on November 14th, is number 14th ranked in NAIA in rebounding. And we're going to talk some more about that as well in the future, Jim. So um, things are looking up. Last question, Jim. How did it turn out with the SWAC versus Pac-12 basketball games that just went on? In terms of men, they finished three and three. The women had, uh, I believe, one game this one game this week and one game next week. Okay, but so you know, it, it, as I said last week, the uh, home team won all six games with the men. All right, so we're holding our own, holding our own, holding our own. All right, we're going to take a commercial break, music commercial break. And of course, everybody wants to talk about HBCU Division One SWAC Championship results. What's going on with Deion Sanders? We'll be right back. Alrighty, 
Jim, before we move to football, we have one question. I'll let you take it. It's from Marlo. It says, um, for basketball, do teams play money games for revenue to the play money games for revenue to the school or their programs, or do they get the money for their conference games as well? From what I've heard, the school gets some of the money for money games. Like I know I can't remember the school. I want to say the Jackson State or Mississippi Valley State was playing some Big Ten teams, some ACC teams, and they were getting a little bit of money for each of those games. Now it goes to the basketball. It goes to I believe the overall athletic budget, rather than the basketball team specific. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. Deion Sanders uh, at Jackson State was stating if they were going to play some of those games in the future, uh, he wanted the revenue to go to the football players or the football mm-hmm. program because they were the ones out there get beat up by the big schools. Am I right? Yes. Yes. I see. And we'll see. Hopefully, well, he's in the Pac-12, so maybe they'll have him schedule a. Um, they'll have a challenge in football, and he'll schedule a uh, HBCU. Yeah. Well, tell us about HBCU, Jim. Division One SWAC Championship, Deion Sanders Celebration Bowl. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, first of all, Deion officially signed with Colorado after the game that he beat Southern. He will coach JSU in the celebrity ball, celebration ball, and has told his players that we have a job to finish after last year losing to North Carolina Central in the celebration ball. Okay. Now, Dion has gotten a bad name. No, I won't say that. Dion has gotten a bad rap on him turning his back on HBCUs, but I just want to list a couple things that he got done while he was at Jackson State. He got the team new uniforms with Walmart, and uh, they made a comment on TV today that Jackson State had more uniforms than any other college football team with the exception of Oregon and the Nike jerseys. He spent $150,000 of his own money to finish the facilities at Jackson State, the practice facility. He had American Airlines fly the team's from uh, games that they couldn't bust to. He had Michael Strahan buy jackets for the team on road trips. Dion, and the main thing he did is he brought eyes to HBCU to see how for college football was played. You know, ESPN had a game of the week basically in the SWAC. And other and there were 104 games that were on some type of platform from HBCUs. Now, Dion, you know, he told his players, don't jump in the transfer portal because you don't want to be sit out, you don't want to be sitting out watching the celebration bowl. And he also told his players, his future players at Colorado, that he's got some dogs coming. He's bringing his own luggage. So don't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, Dion will bring probably 10 to 11 JSU transfers, including his son Shadur, Travis Hunter, the number one overall player from this past freshman class, Kevin Coleman, Miles Gaddy, and Savion Wilkerson. He's converted a couple of four and five stars to commit to Colorado University right after he signed. He mentioned that the uh, current change the CIU made CU Colorado University made to the NIL policy name, image, and likeness played a factor in his decision to come. Mm-hmm. He's pro- he's getting more money for his assistance, and a lot of people miss out on that. They think he's going for the money for himself. Well, he's he's going to get a pay raise and have decent facilities, but also his assistants will get a pay raise, mm-hmm. a big pay raise. And you see a lot of these coaches, when they sign new contracts, it's not just for them. It's for these assistants mm-hmm. so they can make a living, a decent living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jim, I have a question in, in the chat. It says, any word on Coach Sanders' recruiting process for the upcoming season? Are they expected to make it a medium pack, or will it take a few years? I think they're in the Pac-12, right? Yes. 
I think they let's show you know they're one in ten. So yeah, I'm not trying to be funny. If they win four or five games, they've shown some immediate progress. But Coach Deion Sanders is a charismatic coach. People want to follow him. You know, just as having said he had eleven hundred kids come down to Jackson State for two games. You know, he could probably only sign maybe ten or eleven of them for Jackson State. But I'm sure if some of them are three, four, and five stars, they might be looking at Colorado more heavily just because of Dion. Yeah. I think he's going to make a huge difference in recruiting. And, you know, Colorado is beautiful. You go out there in the mountains in Boulder, and they, some of these recruits will fall in love. Some of these city guys have never been outside the city. And then you have Denver 30 minutes away. So, you know, I think he's going to make a huge impact. And remember, after this year, UCLA and USC are leaving. They go to Big Ten, right? Maybe, yes, and maybe some more. Oregon, Washington. Mm-hmm. So by the time the dust settles, he could be a giant in that league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jim, let me ask you this, and this is a great lesson for our HBCU, the school that Dion's leaving. I think the key thing we can learn from this is our athletic directors have to always have a succession plan. Okay. This is not abnormal. Um, I'm going to go back to something that I, I noticed in Richmond, Virginia, when I was there, coach Capel was at VCU mid major did well. They, he went to a major school, Anthony Grant comes on. And he takes them even further to the NCAA tournament. This is somewhere around 2008, nine, right? But you know when that guy is winning 90% of his games and you've maxed out on what you can pay him, another D1 school is going to recruit him. I mean, you can see it coming. So our, our athletic departments have to have a succession plan and eyeing a coach who would like to move up to your level who may bring some of those things. They may not be as famous. I remember when Anthony Grant, this is basketball, Mm -hmm. announced he was leaving VCU. The next day, they introduced Shaka Smart. And I just thought how smart and well-prepared the athletic director was at VCU to see that coming. And that's the kind of business uh, foresight that we have to begin to see at our schools because another great coach is coming. They might be as famous, but another good one's mm-hmm. coming. Do we have our eye on the succession plan when you see one that's about to go? Because you can't blame Dion for going. Mm-mm. No, you can't. And VCU is a great cradle of coaches. They turn out good coaches. They move on. Yeah. They have a plan. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, you have to have a plan in the back of your mind, ready if when Coach K leaves. Yeah. When 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 uh Dean Smith left. Mm-hmm. When uh um uh, Roy Williams left Kansas mm-hmm. to go to Carolina. You have to have a plan mm-hmm. and be ready to strike mm-hmm. on that plan. Yeah. Jimmy now, you mentioned oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. He wants to put in, he mentioned his head assistant would be a good man for the job. That's a thought. I don't know if Jackson State has seen how a name coach can revitalize the program where they're going to look for another name. I don't know. This is to be seen. But I I would think that they would have have a plan. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll add, now we talk about Shadur. We don't know about Shiloh. His older is I think Shiloh's older by a year. He went to uh, South Carolina at first. Yeah, played tore his ACL last year. Played a little bit this year. I but read I would today that he would go. No, I read today that he actually wants to stay at Jackson State. He doesn't want to go to Colorado. That's what I read. Okay. We'll see how it plays out. Jim, we have a few more minutes. Let's talk about the other side of the Celebration Bowl. And that is North Carolina Central. They're not a bad football team. They're nine and two, and they have a good quarterback as well. 
What a little about Central. Well, we know one thing that last year they uh, Jackson went in high and mighty, and Central beat them, and it was I believe it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you know they were nine and two in the six team uh, MEAC. They only lost one conference game. And I think Howard was four and one also, but they beat Howard head to head. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you cannot overlook them. And then again, this year with the change in coaches, even though he said he's going to coach the game, there's obviously some people's minds are not going to be in that game. Absolutely. And I think they're, they're right to get upset by central. Um, but time, time will tell. Uh, Jim, I want to get to this show and let's do it. Um, it seems like with the portal, seniors, uh, the top prospects for the NFL draft have been listed. And I want to talk about at least one of them this week, Isaiah Land out of Florida AM, and uh, projected to be a sure hit in the NFL this year. This um, six-foot-four pound, 225-pounder, plays what, linebacker or defensive end for FAMU? Yes. And uh, projecting to be a linebacker edge rusher in the pros. Kind of like the young man from Dallas, Cowboys. mm -hmm. Yeah. And the young man, James Houston from uh, uh, Jackson State. Okay. Okay. Who, by the way, got his third sack in two games Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So these are some Go ahead, Chip. Yeah, Isaiah has good lateral quickness, agility, short Mm -hmm. bursts. Overall speed, he projects as an edge rusher or a linebacker in the pros. Mm-hmm. Then you have out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Mark Evans. Yeah. On the offensive line, he's very mobile, strong hands. He's played all over the line, but he projects as a guard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Is it left sure. left guard or right guard? Guard. Yeah. Just guard. They didn't they didn't specify. You know, like Panay Sewell with the Lions is going to be a left tackle. But he's playing right tackle because the Lions have a good right tackle. Mm-hmm. So offensive linemen move around a lot too. Jordan you know Lewis out of yeah. Southern. Mm-hmm. He is the Buchanan Award winner, first time in uh, FCS history they've had a Buchanan Award winner. He again is an edge linebacker. Athleticism projects as off ball linebacker. Okay. Well, that's and, three. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep going, Joe. Well, that's four, yeah. Yeah, that's four. Kamari, Kamari Averett, a tight end out of Bethune-Cookman, is 6'6", 250 with speed. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look out for him to be drafted or be drafted probably in the mid-rounds. Yeah. Jim, with the exposure, now I think five or six made the roster from HBCUs last year. With this exposure and TV exposure, do we expect it to go up this year? Eight to ten guys who actually make it? I think so, because if you remember, they're having an HBCU All-Star game as well. Mm. So yeah. this will they'll be able to showcase their talents for the uh, pro scouts at this venue. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, we want to say thank you for that tremendous segment. We have one more um, uh, statement here from Marlo. She says, thank you, Coach Prime. He definitely put a spotlight on HBCUs more than before. So I thank him tremendously for all he has done and is doing. Amen to that, Marlo. Yes, and I want to thank our number one fan, Marlo, for having these pertinent questions. (laughs) All right, now. Also, I want to make a plug for the Mark Jones and Friends show, our sister show. It comes on 9 to 11 on the Superstation 910 WFDF out of Detroit. You can also get it on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Facebook Live. So please listen into that as well. What time is that show, Jim, and what day? 9 to 11 on Wednesday. All right. We look forward to seeing there. Again, we thank you. It's been a great time. We have an interview coming next week, Dr. Harriet Kimbrough. Hamilton, one of the trailblazers, top 50 women trailblazers from the state of Tennessee. It's going to be dynamic. Spread the word. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm definitely excited about that.